Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have a bit of a repeat guest in Norman Marks. If you aren't familiar with Norman Marks, but you know former president and CEO of the IIA, Richard Chambers, Richard releases an annual thought leader list, kind of a top 10, and they're in no particular order. But I know two years ago, Richard said something to the effect of, these are in no particular order, but if they were, Norman would likely be top of the list. And I say that Norman is kind of our first repeat guest because this was actually a recording that was done on our other podcast, The Audit Room, which is live every Tuesday at 11 Central Standard Time, that's 11 Chicago time, where it's myself and Tracy Marquardt, um, Europe's leading audit communications expert. And so it's Tracy and her kind of communication angle and then myself and my uh, data automation technical angle. Uh, and so we've started this The Audit Room podcast where we're again interviewing thought leaders within the audit profession. So if you wanna check out the audit room live, uh, we host it live every Tuesday, like I said, over Zoom. And so if you connect with myself and or Tracy, you'll see the promotions. We promote the crap out of it, so it'd be hard to miss on LinkedIn. Um, but you'll see those promotions and you can join us live when we have folks like Norman and you can ask your questions in the chat and we'll be sure to get them to them. And the topic we wanted to cover was how to work with the audit committee. I know when I was leading an internal audit function and I had to meet with the audit committee, I had no idea what I was supposed to talk about. And a chief risk officer said, yep, just take the list of issues, run them through them, and then tell them where you stand with the audit plan. As you might assume, <laughs> there is significantly more to it than just that. And so given Norman's expertise, uh, we wanted to talk to him about how to work with the audit committee, how to communicate with the audit committee, uh, report writing, and how to change it for the better, uh, and handling one-on-ones with the audit committee, along with a lot more. So whatever device you're on right now or podcast platform you're listening to, if you enjoyed this one, um, we have about six published right now with plenty in the backlog um, that we're gonna continue to publish. So if you enjoy this episode, be sure to look it up on whatever platform you're on. It's called The Audit Room. Um, go ahead and give it a five-star review if you think it is worthy. Uh, while you're in there, go ahead and give the audit podcast a five-star review if you think it's worthy. And then again, like I said, connect with Tracy and myself on LinkedIn so you can join us live and ask questions of these thought leaders uh, that we're fortunate enough to have on. Lastly, Norman has a blog. It's at least once a week. It seems like it's uh, probably more like two a week. And he reads various publications from the firms and other organizations and then gives his thoughts. And so if I, if I was a CAE, I would make it required reading 
it takes about five minutes per blog to read and there's always really good insight. So highly recommend checking out Norman's blog as well. Here we go. Hello everyone. This is Trent Russell. I'm the co-host and moderator of the audit room now on zoom. We are live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago, except for today where we are live <laughs> at noon Central Standard Time. Um, for those that have joined us today uh, in the Zoom call, if you have a question for myself, um, Tracy or Norman, please throw that in the chat. We'll be sure to get that addressed. Uh, I am, again, Trent Russell, founder of Green Skies Analytics, your go-to place for all things internal audit and analytics. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Hi, everyone. Tracy Marquardt, known so far as Europe's leading audit communication consultant, now coming to you from Canada. I'm also a partner in Canada for Serious Business Games. So if you're interested in knowing more about Serious Business Games, uh, reach out to me and let me know. And um, I will, in the background, take notes on who's here for today and send you a link if you would like to try a Serious Business Game um, on us. And we have with us today Norman Marks, who... I think needs no introduction, but I will do a little introduction anyway, Norman, and you can add to it as you like. Um, Norman's been a chief audit executive for more than 20 years, well, well known in our industry as a thought leader, has published over nine books, regularly publishes a blog. And um, if you, we can put that, uh, perhaps that link in the show notes, uh, Trent, to uh, Norman's blog on WordPress. And um, Norman, I'd like to invite you to say a few more words, and then we'll hand it over to Trent to start our questions. No, no new words. I, I mean, I've just published a new book, um, came out just, uh, what, about a week ago now. Um, so I'm up to 14. Can you 14. Believe it? <laughs> you need to update your bio on LinkedIn. <laughs> But I'm looking forward to, uh, to chatting with everybody today. So you're, you're laughing. I, as we were getting ready for this just a minute ago, I looked on Amazon because I was like, I feel like he's probably written. A, it seems like every, you know, I blink an eye and it's like, oh, he's got a new book that we got to go read. So uh, I didn't find it on there. But I will say as my uh, brief intro to Norman um, of his 14 books, my favorite is called Auditing That Matters. It is mm -hmm. the most high. I read all my stuff on a Kindle and you can highlight it and it counts your highlights. It's the most highlighted book that I own, not the most highlighted audit book that I own, but the most highlighted book that I own. So wow. um, I always highly recommend everyone read that. If, yeah. if I were a CAE, I would make everybody on my team read that book before and doing and anything else. To, so. to be honest, I can see three copies on my bookshelf right now. One is mine and I ha I buy a stack and I send them to CAEs that I work with. I, I gift them one. So well, that's, thank what, you guys. that's what I do with it. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic resource as well as the blog. It's seen what at least twice a week. It feels like there's uh, there's something from the blog. It's always always really good stuff. Uh, usually kind of like the latest and greatest as far as thought leadership and hot topics and, and things along that nature. Completely changed my perspective on uh, cybersecurity. I know that's something you've wow. been on, Norman, a decent amount. So really appreciate everything that you do, books, blogs, coming on things like this that you do for the profession. You are certainly an asset. Um, so we want to talk about the audit committee, though. I know I've had people reach out to me, their new CAEs, and go, Hey, whenever you talk to somebody on the podcast, could you ask them about this, if they have the experience relative to audit committees and things like that? And I feel like maybe it's spread across multiple books or blogs or something, but 
there's, I haven't really found like a good kind of resource for, okay, this is how we work with the audit committee, talk to the audit committee. Um, it, it almost feels like you need a, uh, a mentor of sorts. So Norman, you are our mentor for today. Uh, <laughs> We've got one right now. To that. Yeah. Um, and so I, the, the, most of this is around the audit committee and one being the communication with the audit committee, Norman. So from your experience, what's the, the frequency of how often you reach out to them or they reach out to you? Is there, um, uh, what was kind of the formal process? What was the informal process? Just kind of walk us through your experiences uh, with the audit committee and even maybe lessons learned and I wish I would have done this this way or, you know, et cetera. Well, so I think the first thing is to realize that there is no single entity called an audit committee. It's, it's a group of people, each one of whom is, is different. And they have different uh, experiences. They have different expectations. And it's very important for the CAE to get to know each one of them and what turns them on and what turns them off. Um, and, and yes, they, they also function as a group, but we've got to keep each one of them individually satisfied. So some of them need different handholding than others. So for example, I had at uh, one of my companies, um, a Japanese individual whose English was pretty good, but um, he didn't have confidence in his English. So I would sit down with him, uh, actually go to his house, um, beautiful home in San Francisco, or talk to him on the phone. And he, he could ask me things that he was reluctant to ask with other people there. Um, we would actually have a dialogue and talk about different things from his perspective and my helping him to understand. And the same, and, and one of the things that I, I look forward to in that was clearly every time I'm meeting with an audit committee member, I'm tapping into their wisdom. I'm tapping into their experience and their insight into what is important for the company. Okay, what, what is important to the board, right? Because the audit committee is our window into the full board. And in some cases, it's actually our window into what the CEO is, is looking for and telling the board about. But each one of them is different. Another one was um, French by background, um, but he was the uh, assistant corporate controller at Microsoft. And he was very detail oriented and, and especially on the finance side, the treasury side. So I, keeping him happy was different from his friend who was um, really into the IT side. So, Working with the audit committee is really working with a group of individuals, and we have to recognize how that group works, uh, changes. Um, every, not, not only when the audit committee membership changes, uh, but also sometimes with, with different things that happen, which will bring out different experiences with them. So the, the most difficult communication I ever had, uh, which I've written about, um, uh, perhaps not um, in full because it's a painful experience, was at Selectron where we had multiple financial statement frauds. And 
I need. Uh, I had communicated with the audit committee as we, as we went through. None of these individually were material, but obviously I was concerned about the culture and whether there was some failure, um, deliberate or, or otherwise, uh, that was pushing these individual controllers in these subsidiaries to play with the financial statements. And um, I had to to talk to the audit committee. Now I talked to the chair of the audit committee and we had a good discussion about it. And he told me he would talk to each of the individual ones. Uh, Cause I said, I wanted to talk to them before the meeting because you never want to surprise the audit committee in a meeting. You never want to surprise them. So I wanted to talk to them and hear them. And he said, no, he, he wanted to do that himself. That was a big mistake. That was a huge mistake because my strongest ally um, on the committee had, and I didn't know this, I had been a board member at a company where there had been fraud that involved the CEO and CFO. So he didn't get briefed properly and uh, he came with, he, he heard this with anger, mm. uh, which I wasn't prepared for. So communicating with the audit committee is, is communicating with individuals as well as, as with a group. The other, th the other thing which, which I need to emphasize is, and I say this in a lot of my books, we need to tell them what they need to know, not what we want to tell them. Yeah. We need to understand what it is that they need to, that they need to know for, um, to discharge their responsibilities of oversight and assistance to the, to, to, to the management team. And too many CAEs spend a lot of time telling them things that they really don't need to know, but the, the CAE is proud of for some reason. But the audit committee doesn't need to do anything about it. They don't need to monitor anything about it. And, and frankly, to me, I want to be able to help the audit committee be successful. And I get into a lot of trouble about this. Um, a lot of people, CAEs especially, push back. When I say I try to minimize the amount of time I spend talking to the audit committee, because they have so many important things to discuss, whether it be the financials, the, project the projections, the use of cash, <clears throat> uh, whatever it is. Um, there's always so many important things and any, every extra minute I'm spending on things they don't need to know is, is taken away from that time. Mm -hmm. So I see my work, my, my role there as, as helping them discharge their responsibilities. Another, another thing I want to point out is that they don't want to know about problems. And what I mean by that is they want to know if there has been a problem that is being fixed. Right. They just don't want to know that there's a risk and here's the management response. They want to feel assured that everything is being done properly by management and they can get on with running and overseeing uh, the operation of the, of the business. And so anytime I've had a really serious issue to discuss with the audit committee, not only have I had extensive discussions with management, um, and had a discussion with the audit committee members 
as I need to to prep them for it. But I come locked in locked arms basically to the audit committee with the management senior management person responsible. And we explain what happened, we explain what's been done about it, and we leave them happy because they can see that uh, internal audit and management are working together and we are between us making sure that the company has the right management of risks, opportunities and, and, and related controls and security. Um, it's, it's just like if, if, if somebody came to you, they don't want to know about problems. They want to know about, uh, is everything okay? And if not, See, we have a question there. I don't know whether we want to, to jump into that or just continue with. I think we'll continue for a moment and then and then we'll jump into some questions towards well, that. Was a, that was essentially it. I mean, it's really um, be concise. What is it they need to know? Do they really need to know? And then this comes back, and I know, Tracy, you're, you're really into report writing. I know. I'm dying um, to talk to you about it, but keep going. <laughs> But I've I've seen I've seen audit reports of forty some pages, yeah. with the table of contents on page three and the executive summary on page six. The audit committee; these are busy, busy people, very successful uh, executives, and they need. We need to be able to give them the information they need in seconds, yeah. not hours. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm dying to ask you about your half, your half page audit report, because I, I think actually most auditors aren't ready for the half page audit report, but there's, a, there's no reason why we can't be delivering a half page audit report to the board or the audit committee or someone like that. Um, oh, I, I think it's too long. You think half page is too long. Okay. No, seriously. You know, when it comes down to it, what it, I can give all kinds of examples, but what do they need to know? Is there a problem, mm -hmm. right? Is it important to the company, mm -hmm. not to a division, not to a process, but is it important to me as a, as a, as a board member? Do I need to do anything about it? Mm -hmm. Now, if you do an audit and everything is fine, do you need to spend half a page telling them? Uh, no, you could you could do it in three lines, maybe. Um, exactly, exactly, and that doesn't start with the scope and objectives and background. No, it's just basically we came and everything's fine, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if there's serious issues, you need to be able to communicate with them um, in the most effective way, and and sometimes um, you don't want to put it in writing. Because, uh, so for example, at, at one of my companies, we had a, a serious issue where the um, commodities uh, finance function um, was, was doing the accounting on a swap transaction. And in a swap, um, without getting into, into the details, you invoice the, the party that owes you uh, the delta between um, your commitment to buy from them and their commitment to buy from you. That's what basically what a swap does. And the, the finance function built the gross instead of the net. So they build uh, a really crucial um, 
trading partner $3 billion mm. instead of 30,000. Mm. Okay. So my team, um, we didn't help fix that. The, there's a whole story behind how, what, what happened, but we went in, we were doing an audit of that area anyway. And part of that was to find out why this happened. And our root cause analysis um, and, and extensive discussions with the staff as well as the manager found that the, the problem was the, the manager. Um, he didn't know how to delegate. He was keeping everything to himself. He was working himself to death slowly. And he and, and that was his problem. Uh, and our problem with him was he didn't know how to manage people. And so this is a, you can't put that in writing, but the audit committee needed to know that we were changing out a senior member of the finance team and why. So I put some reference to it, which would not lead us into litigation. <laughs> um, and, and then with the head of that division and the CFO, we communicated to the audit committee. So it's, it's really a matter of how can I concisely tell them what they need to know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they know they know what to do about it. Um, what, a few years ago, I did a series of of uh, cyber related workshops with the National Association of Corporate Directors, and the corporate directors, the, the directors, kept on telling me that they wanted on cyber, but in general, actionable information, information that will help them make decisions and take action. And this is what we need to be doing as CAEs. What information do they need to discharge their responsibilities and to take any actions that are necessary or to make sure other other people like the CFO or, or, or head of compliance or whatever is taking appropriate action. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. So what do you think, what do you think it's going to take to change audit report writing, because you know I'm out there every day trying to change audit report writing and have them write clear, concise, short reports, compelling, persuasive, cut it down, only the most important information. Um, I, I, I teach now, um, actually, right, if you had to write one finding on this entire audit, what would it be? You know, like what's the condition, what's the cause, what's the risk, and how, and how are we going to take action on it? How is the management going to act? This is what I, I teach now because I don't I want them to be able to apply their critical thinking and see that we don't need all the extra. So what is it going to take in your your opinion to change? We've got to realize it's a communication. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, I I had an argument with, with Richard Chambers because he wrote a blog talking about the audit report persuading people. And my response was audit reports will never persuade people. You need to have the conversation. And the audit report can be after the fact of talking to them, mm-hmm. just confirming what's going to be done. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it's not about the finding, it's about the action, right? If any. So we need to communicate. We need to, again, what is it they need to know? Forget about writing, okay? This would be my advice, Tracy, mm -hmm. and say, what if you went to go and see this manager you're communicating to, whatever level they are, what would you tell them? Mm -hmm. Now write that. And, and that leads me to the whole, you know, just having conversation with clients in the last two weeks, they don't, they even hold back the report for their, their closing meeting on the last day of the audit. They don't want to give them anything in writing yet. They want to like have the conversation and then they drop the report on them a week later. And then everybody, you know, chaos ensues because there's things in the report that maybe weren't clarified before. I think it's backwards wow. now. Wow. You see, for me, the trait, the closing, the closing meeting is an opportunity to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. um, nothing should be fixed. It's not it's, the idea that we're going to give them the, the draft report in the closing meeting. Um, it, there, there should be, a, it's, it's an opportunity for a discussion. Maybe maybe you have a pre-closing, I, I don't know, and a closing meeting, I don't, I don't know. It's gonna depend upon the organization and who you're meeting with and, and what kind of conversations and, and cooperation you've had before, but we need to focus on dialogue and collaboration on understanding what the issue is, agreeing upon and listening to them. We don't, what is this? Don't listen. Mm -hmm. we, we, don't tell. Give, um, we tell in those meetings, yeah. I think. We tell, we don't listen. We don't, and, and, and we're, we're too arrogant. Okay, management knows far more about the situation than we do. They know far more about the, the consequences than we do. And we don't give them an opportunity to tell us what they think mm -hmm. and listen to that and show them respect by listening and learning from them as they talk. So there may be a good reason that the control is not working as well as it should and we're not listening to find out. Maybe the risk is not as great as we think it is. Mm -hmm. And we end up asking them to do something which is wrong for the business. Mm -hmm. It's a risk that should be taken because, the, you know, um, the cost is too high, whatever. But we don't do enough listening and, and dropping the audit report. The audit report should be uh, hopefully after everybody else has agreed. Mm. Okay. Um, maybe there's a draft series of points i'm thinking about what we did in closing meetings so we didn't we didn't drop the final report on them that way no no but but i i find it's it's actually it's not given risk risk ratings um aren't and on findings and on the whole report and things those aren't given until well after and i think maybe that's too late, too late in the game i think it's too late in the game well yeah. first of all what is a risk rating um because it always comes back down to high risk to what yeah right and i was thinking about that again this morning because if we're talking about um focusing on on our primary customer the audit committee a high risk to a subsidy a, a, a subsidiary in the philippines okay mm. doesn't mean it's a high risk to the organization no yeah. And we've got to be really careful about using that. We, we've got to be able to talk about why, how this is, you know, it, and, and, and maybe 
we've got to find a way of saying this. So when we're communicating to local management, we can explain to them how it affects their objectives, because again, it's got to be relevant to them. It's got to be meaningful to them. And, And this is another thing. If you want to persuade people to do something, you have to appeal to their W, um, what is it, W-I-I-F-M. Yes, absolutely. What's in it for me? What's in it for and them, yeah. Yeah, so if, you, if, you, if you're talking to a manager um, at any level uh, from warehouse supervisor to the CEO and you want them to do something because you think it's right, they, it, it's far, far better if they could see how it would benefit them. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm saying hallelujahs with you along the whole way. I do, I do want to, I do want to jump to a couple comments. Um, Chaz yeah. says, um, I think short reports can be substantiated and supported by a CAE and team that is trusted and respected um, and has earned that through such things as vetting experience, track records, et cetera. Um, and I also wanted to um, go to Julio's question because okay, it's. Let me, let, me, let me comment on that. Sure. CAEs are. Some CAEs say, I cannot report something I can't prove. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are professionals. We have experience and we are entitled to a professional opinion. And this is what that word insight in the um, IIA's core principles is talking about, is sharing our insights. And now maybe some of that can't, you don't, you're unwilling to put in the formal written report but that doesn't mean you can't communicate it and shouldn't communicate it because that can be incredibly valuable. And frankly, I've, I've, had, I've heard that many, many times from executives. They respect me, they respect my opinion, they respect my objectivity and my ability to see the big picture. And so my perspectives, my feelings, even my intuition, is valuable to them. And sometimes I said things to them and said, I started to think this. And I said, you know, I was thinking that too. And then all of a sudden we're having a very much better conversation. That comes down to also, I think, the the relationship that's built between the CAE and the individuals in the audit committee and the credibility and, and the value that they and the team bring over time. It's not something you can demand. No, you have to prove it. You don't get it from a from a business card. You prove it from uh, what you've done in the past. And I think that's one of the comments there is yeah. is you you um, you you earn respect. Yeah, hey, I've got uh, a hard drop off here in three minutes. I just wanted to ask, and then uh, since Tracy, you're recording, like the conversation's yeah. been fantastic. Please go as long as you guys can go, because uh, I like Julio's question. Yeah, and, we got to get to get and to the, the other questions. one, but. Before that, I just wanted to say, and this has been from my experience, Norman, we were talking about, um, you know, working with the audit committee individually versus a group and giving them basically what they want versus what we think they want. And so I've, that seems to be a common question that I've seen is like, well, how do we work with the audit committee? How do we give them what they want? And I was like, just ask them, like, what do you want? But I think can be a little difficult if you don't know everything. So what we do and what can be done with other teams, put together a list of everything that you think they might want, and then just go to them and say, because they may or may not know what's possible or, or what they might not, you know, they don't know what they don't know, or don't know, don't know what they want, what they don't know. And so like, we'll say, go to them, here's a list that you can start off with. And they'll go, uh, you know what, I didn't realize that I would like to know more about that. 
every quarter or whatever. And then you give them exactly what they want. So, uh, that's what we always say, just ask, like, what, what do you want? And then you have the answer. Well, what, what, are, the, what are your challenges as a member of the audit committee? I'm sorry, say it again? Yeah. What are your challenges as a member of the audit committee? Yeah. Or what are your challenges as a member of the board? And can I, how can I help? Yeah. How can I help is such a powerful it's amazing. Uh, question. Yeah, and because I think you you can bring them the information that you think they might need, but actually asking them is the best way to get on the same page with them. Yeah, what is it that you need? How can I help? I love that. Yeah, take them to lunch. Go go visit them in their home. I've traveled to to meet them. Uh, meet meet with them before the. I mean, there's so many things you can do and to build is- a relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think building that relationship is not just the structured formal uh, twice a year meeting that you're supposed to have. It's it's those informal connection points through throughout that are going to help you build that relationship. Yeah. The, hey, the other thing is, is, yeah, I, I just want to say one thing. Build, uh, agree with them when they want to be alerted about significant events. Mm, that's good, too. Perfect. Um, but the, the recording's going, so as we're going to stay for a go, few more minutes. Because yeah. I want to listen back afterwards <laughs> and see what I missed. So, Norman, thanks a ton for coming on. Always love your perspective. Thank you, Trent. Thanks, All right, Trent. Take care. Right. So, what do you think then about the video executive summary? Because I have several clients that are going for this. And, Julio, I'm not sure. Have you tried it already? I can't remember our last conversation. Um, you might be able to unmute yourself, Julio, Julio yeah. if you want. Hey, well, th- thank you for this this great conversation. I-, I have not started it yet, but it's literally on my things to do list. So I appreciate the feedback. So, what do you think, Norman? Video or no video um, reports? You do what works. Hmm. Um, so, for example, I- I've seen some CEEs like to have a PowerPoint, and uh, but my experience is that most executives and board members hate PowerPoint. <laughs> so I think you just do what works. When you're talking about video, you're talking about um, Zoom, are you? Uh, it's, it's a recording. So it's almost, oh. almost yeah, like a recorded uh, two-minute um, report on the results of the audit. I haven't done that. And I'd prefer to have a dialogue always. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and frankly, it's just my, just me, but I'm not sure I'd always say the right thing in a two minute video, and it take me t- may take me two days to record a two minute video. Well, I was going to say me, I'd be preparing and writing my notes and making sure I had it down and, and recording it three times before I actually had the final version. Um, Julio, was there something else you were looking at besides doing like a two minute live recorded? Um, live recorded, a two minute recorded, you know, of, of you or of the CAE or even the audit lead. I don't see why the audit leads can't actually record because doesn't that give them exposure to the board um, as well? But Julio. Sure. Well, the, the two things I, I, from a communications perspective, the two things I was, I'm focusing on number one, the, the video executive summary. And I, I was Thinking no more than a minute and a half, because uh, mm-hmm. obviously the longer the the, the content, the more the, the larger the file. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing I'm working on is a, a semi or bi-monthly newsletter that shares some key topics within the bank. I work for a financial institution, Norman, uh, shares some some resources on 
video or, or webinars and podcasts for the audit committee. So th those are my two little projects of emphasis as it relates to communication. I think you really got, so my reaction to that is first of all, some, some uh, board members will like that and others will not. Um, I can see some CEOs saying, this is my job. So I, I think you've you got to make sure that um, this is this is well coordinated. But if you if your board members like it, then go for it. Definitely. Excellent. But I, but I think at the same time, <laughs> I would I would ask them whether you want a recorded video or you want a Zoom call every quarter just to talk just talk about the business. Well, one one thing you mentioned that that really stood out to me is this the need to learn from the folks individually because I, I can I can see needing to cater the the delivery based on person two or person three. So that, that's that's a very yeah. interesting point. Thank it's you. it's a brilliant point and, and that's what I teach to as well um, in my work is is understanding, you know, what wakes that individual up at 3.30 in the morning in a cold sweat. And if you can understand that from an individual perspective, and then you can also analyze the group perspective of the audit committee, but really understanding the individuals that you're working with is how you're going to be able to build that relationship that works and um, where you can share those insights and they're accepted and not pushed back and all those things. And that's usually one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Um, I want to come to, Chaz had a question at the beginning. What is the best way to assure the audit committee chair doesn't feel undermined by one-on-ones uh, -on with other audit committee members? Hopefully you're in an environment and culture where this isn't an issue, but it's possible. Talk to the audit committee chairman first. Yeah. See how they feel. Um, so when I, when I did this in, in my first CAE position, um, I talked to the audit committee chair and said, would you like to be in some of these conversations that I have with them? So I actually invited him to participate in these. So it was a three-way versus and two-way. And they always said, no, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think it's... Um it's common, it's common sense, though, to say, to approach the chair and say, this is, you know, this is what I'd like to do. What do you think? Would you like to join me? Or shall I, you know, proceed one-on-one? -on -one? Would that, you know, how does that suit? How does that sit with you? That's a great, yeah. um, great alternative. So I wanted to ask you, I know we're over time. I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about your new book. Oh, sure. Always happy to, to, to talk about that. So um, it's built on a lot of what I wrote about in Auditing That Matters. And thank you so much to both you and Trent for, for your nice comments about that. Um, and it picks up on the need for agility mm. and audits is, is focused on how can I change from the historic annual audit plan to one that is continuous. Mm -hmm. um, this is what I did for 20 years, which was basically to have a rolling audit plan where we're always focused on what is the right thing to be auditing next? How can I make sure I'm auditing what is important now and what will be important in the near future? Yeah. Okay. And so the book is about essentially stop auditing the past. Um, how can I have continuous understanding of risk, work with management, leverage their risk management activity, if it's good, if, if, and if not, what am I going to do about it? Uh, so that I'm actually having um, a continuous risk assessment, continuous um, 
updating of the of the audit plan, and then how do I communicate that? And how do I sell that to management and also to the board? And, so and that's what it is. It's about agility. It's about um, auditing what matters, basically, now and in the future. And I think that's so important. I have had many conversations, again, with CAEs um, who are clients, who they're, they're, they're on the, the hamster wheel of, we told the board we do 41 audits. Now we have people out sick for various reasons in the environment that we're in. For uh, They have to stay home and educate their kids for the last year and a half. Or, um, you know, the environment has changed, but we still, we committed 41 audits and and now we're understaffed and our staff are so stressed and they're working, you know, audits can only be two weeks long and it's this wheel that they can't seem to get off and just stop and breathe and move to a more agile approach where it's the most significant risks that are being addressed. And then you're not stressing your team and you're not risking burnout in your team because that yeah, make it no, even worse. Yeah, you're not on a productivity bonus scheme uh, where you get paid based on the number. You know, it's not piecework. Um, we're there to provide assurance, advice, and insights yeah. uh, that is valuable to to the audit committee and to the management of the organization. And that means that we, we're auditing what matters. We're auditing, and this is another thing I pick up, which I talk about in auditing that matters. We're also doing work that has value to the organization. And sometimes there's a, there's a conflict between risk and value. Uh, there are areas of risk where there's no value in an audit, and there's uh, areas where we should be doing because it's too value, but not necessarily risk. Um, the other thing I talk about in the book is, again, stressing the that it's not only about what can go wrong, but what needs to go right. Mm-hmm. And, and how can we seize opportunities? Because as auditors, we don't do nearly enough on... Um, whether we should, whether the organization is seizing opportunities like new technology and, and, and so on. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Norman, we could talk for another hour at least, I'm sure. I am mm-hmm. so grateful that you could come on and join us today and um, to answer some questions from our audience here. Um, I would like to um, invite you to give uh, the last word, if you'd like, about uh, something you're thinking about after today, and then let sure. us know where we can get your book. Um, so, the, the, I just saw a question flash up, which, which talked about how can you stay efficient? Mm-hmm. Well, the way to stay efficient is to stop doing things that don't matter. <laughs> don't, don't do full audits. Only if you go to a location, only audit uh, what happens there that could be, if it went wrong, a risk for the organization as a whole. So, stop doing things that, if they fail, wouldn't matter and focus only on the things that do matter. And once you've done enough work to reach an opinion, stop yeah. and then move quickly to the next project. Um, you know, it's, it's one of, another thing I, I talk about is, is I try to keep all my audits under 200 hours. Now that upsets a lot of people, uh, but really it's, it's, it's driving my team to, to focus on what is important and stop doing the rest. So, um, that's another another piece. It, it's there's a Japanese have a wonderful word for that called muda, mm-hmm. uh, which comes out of um, uh, other methodologies. Um, in, in other words, it's waste. You're doing stuff which doesn't have value to your customer. Uh, muda. Anyway, my books are all on Amazon. Um, the new one's called. The new one is called. Um, 
auditing, auditing at the speed of risk. Auditing at the speed auditing of at risk. the speed of risk um, with agility and using continuous audit planning, something like that. Wonderful. And we will make sure that's in the show notes. And I, I want to thank you formally from both Trend and I, and uh, we hope to have you back. My pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.